episode of Suds in Cinema. My name's Kyle. I'm Jacob. And this week we don't have Josh with us. It's like episode one. <laughs> it is. Back to the, literally episode one. 30 episodes later, we're down a host. Well, it's bound to happen once in a while. Uh, Josh is on a camping trip this weekend, and we did say that we were going to do three movies, and he hasn't seen any of them yet, so we said <laughs> if we waited for him to watch them, we wouldn't get it, we literally wouldn't have an episode out for another week, so we wanted to just record this. We're only going to talk about one of those movies that we said we would last week, which is Arkansas, but we also watched a lot of other things, so it'll still be a pretty packed episode movie-wise. Yep. Um, so yeah, that's what's going on. Let's just get right into it. We got a beer. Yes. So we got a German beer today. So this was Jacob's pick. And uh, if you follow super closely, you would know it was supposed to be Josh's pick. But Jacob uh, stepped in and picked this up for us. Yep. <laughs> you want to say what it is? <laughs> so it's a Doppelbach, which is a double Bach, which we did do a Bach before, but I don't know if we've done a double Bach. I don't think we have. Yeah. And uh, this is also our second foreign beer. Mm-hmm. We had the one from Italy before. First. Yep. First. And it's German. So, you know, German is known for their beer. First real German beer. Yep. And sadly, I've never been to Germany yet to try all the good beers. But yeah, <laughs> I just got this because it had a cool label and it was German. So, so I don't really know a lot about it. So this is called Celebrator or I don't know what how you would say that in German. Probably yell it loudly. <laughs> <laughs> it's the same. You just yell it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, this is from, can you say the brewery? Uh, a younger? <laughs> a younger? Yeah, and it's actually even different on Untapped. It says Ainger. Ainger. Privat, privat brewery. <laughs> privat brewery. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> so this is a microbrewery from Aying. Oh, it's a microbrewery? Aying, Bayern, Germany. Well, look at us supporting the microbreweries outside the country, too. That's right. So, yeah, Bach, Doppelbach, 6.7% ABV, 24 IBUs. You want to read this description? Or do you not have it? I don't have it up, so. I'll read it. (laughs) This is your beer, though. Come on, Jacob. Uh, A beer that has a dominant malty taste, this beer's origins and a monk's recipe are reflected in its hardiness. The Pope of Beers, Conrad Seidel... Sadel described it as or describes it as almost black with a very slight red tone, a sensational festive foam and truly extraordinary fragrance that at first summons up visions of Greaves lard. What is Greaves Greaves lard? Okay, I'm going <laughs> to no look idea. that up after. The first taste is of mildfulness with an accompanying coffee tone, which becomes more dominant with the aftertaste. There's very little of the sweetness that is frequently to be tasted with Doppelbach beer. The hmm. Ainger Celebrator has been ranked among the best beers of the world by the Chicago Testing Institute several times and has won numerous medals. Nice. That's actually interesting. So it was a monk recipe? Uh, a beer? You said something about monks. Or, the beer's origins in a monk's recipe yes, okay. are reflected in its hardiness. So that's actually interesting. Have you had uh, tapist be- or Trappist beers yet? No. So those are beers that are made where monks actually live and they have to be made at like monasteries basically so there's a they only can make so much a year and 
They actually exist. So there's only one in America, and I think it's in New York that makes it. But yeah, it's actually made by monks. Because we don't have monasteries here yeah, anymore. Yeah, like <laughs> it's actually made by monks, though. And yeah. it's actually an interesting style that um, is pretty common, yeah, in Europe. So I'm, I don't think, it doesn't say this was a Trappist beer, but yeah. There's okay. quite a few famous ones that you could try. So Greaves is an edible byproduct of the rendering process. So that's why uh, Greaves lard or whatever. Uh, it's... So another word for it is tallow. Oh, I've heard of that okay, word before. So tallow is rendered form of beef or mutton fat. Fat, yeah. Yeah. Primarily made up of triglycerides, which is fat. So hmm. what is the taste of this gonna be? <laughs> I don't know. I'm just well, that was just because of the it summons up visions of Greaves lard. So I don't think oh, that's an okay. actual indicator of taste, but I, apparently Greaves lard is like an Austrian thing. Um so if you're familiar with it, then this beer, I guess, would summon up visions of it. But I don't know what it is. Yeah, I don't know what that is either. This is going to be, it sounds interesting to try. Yeah. All right, let's crack it open here. Oops. Well, that didn't open well. <laughs> here goes the cat. Tastes like, gosh, I, I know this taste, but yeah, it's peculiar. Yeah. Um, it is malty for forward. Like it says. Yeah. For sure. I can taste that. There's like coffee is very subtle, but compared to like, you know, like your coffee stout or whatever, or Marvel roast, you know, mm-hmm. it's very subtle in comparison, but I like that. Yeah. It's not too forward. Maybe tastes it's more like, like a, uh, where is that style called barley wine? Mm hmm. Kind of like that. I think that's what I'm thinking of, but hmm. definitely different. Yeah. Different, but good. Yeah. I like it. Hmm. It's almost black with a very slight red tone. And it came with these little, what is the, oh, it's a goat. Oh yeah. I saw, yeah. <laughs> Doug, it's a Bach. Yeah. Oh yeah. We, we had a whole discussion. Yep. It's two goats. That's why it has two goats on the front of it here on the label for Can the you double this? Bach. What does that say? Where? It's probably on the bottom. Finest. No. Oh. Dunkless. Dunkless. Oh, it's Bayer's in German on there? It means. What does it mean? Finest Bavarian double back. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Bavarian double back. All right. Good stuff. So. Shit. All right. Let's get into our first featured review. Our only featured review, actually. Which is Arkansas. Um, Arkansas is directed by Clark Duke. Yeah. I, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know he directed it either. He was, he's in it, right? Yeah. He's the main, so the it's main written by Clark yeah. Duke, directed by Clark Duke, stars Clark Duke. <laughs> um, but no, it's also written by Andrew Boone, Boone Krong. Uh, and it's based on a novel by John Brandon stars, Clark Duke, Liam Hemsworth, Vince Vaughn, John Malkovich, uh, Vivica A. Fox and Eden Brolin. Yeah, it was packed with yeah. people. Big cast for yeah. I mean, this is and his I don't first think, feature. I don't think it had a lot of money involved either. So no. it's like I have mu- to imagine that it was kind of you know they were interested based off of just yeah him the script like, or, yeah or he was like friends with them so he's like hey guys can you I don't, be in my yeah. movie <laughs> but Clark Duke did primarily comedy before so like 
I mean, I don't know Vince how he Vaughn. knows these people. Yeah, but what he wasn't in. He was in like Hot Tub Time Machine. Yeah, I like know. I don't. But none of those guys are in this. I, I don't know. I really don't know what else he's been in that much of what else he's been in. But I think it was primarily comedy. But yeah. Anyway. Oh yeah, I think he's only done comedy. Yeah. The plot synopsis reads, Kyle and Swin live by the orders of an Arkansas-based drug kingpin named Frog, whom they've never met. When a deal goes horribly wrong, the consequences are deadly. Let's take a listen to a clip. I was doing my treatment. I got a disorder. Makes my hands and feet sensitive. Doctors never could diagnose it. Said it was all in my head. My mother said, well, fix that then. I read that very little pain is in the mind. I can't wait to die. Be a lot simpler if I could kill myself, but that's a sin, and I ain't going to hell. I'm waiting on the Lord to strike me down. Smart. Okay. What'd you think of Arkansas? So I liked it. It was uh, very Tarantino esque. Like, God damn you, Jacob. <laughs> Did you Tarantino esque? <laughs> Literally in my notes. Like, and obviously it's one of his first movies, or. First movie, second movie. Yeah, probably. Go ahead. Keep talking. I'll look it up. Yeah. And like, so you can, he doesn't obviously have that like skill yet. I mean, he definitely has promise in this movie. It shows that to take on something like Tarantino style movie and do it well, that takes some skill to do. But and pull it off like yeah. people try to do replicate Tarantino's style and it kind of fails. I think it's Tarantino esque without trying to completely emulate him. Yeah, yeah. So it's not like a rip off. It feels original, but it's you know still yeah. like that it didn't style. have the feeling like that style. Yeah, like the over the top style. It felt more real. Mm-hmm. But then yeah, then like Tarantino, but it definitely was in his vein. First feature film. Yep, he did. Three shorts and some TV episodes. But yeah, yeah first direct, directorial debut. I loved the violence in it. I thought the writing was pretty good. There, were, it didn't hit all the time, but like the interactions between the characters, I thought were pretty good for the most part. Especially between Swin and Kyle, mm-hmm. I loved most of those. I, it's like most of the notes I took were just like quotes I liked in it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it was acted well, and I don't. I haven't really seen many movies with Liam. Oh, well, yeah, that's because I think most of his earlier ones. Yeah, most of his earlier ones were like romance movies or like teen movies. And now he's, I think, kind of evolving past that. But yeah, I mean, he's pretty much regarded as not a very good actor. But I was also surprised in this by his acting. Yeah, I thought he did great, honestly. Yeah. He was probably one of the best in the movie. Yeah. And... Yeah, I don't have like too many negatives. I think the payoff, which isn't a problem with the movie itself because it's based on a book, but I think like the payoff didn't feel as good as it should have, you know, mm-hmm. like it was building this really great like mystery feeling where it's like, who is this frog? Like, and I loved all of that. And then like in the end, I just felt it was a little bit fumbled, but it just didn't have that. I wanted more. I don't know. I felt empty. I don't know what I was looking for. I was looking for something more. Yeah. And just because it's based on a novel, I mean, you can always change it, tweak things. Like, yeah. yeah. It's not, it doesn't have to go word for word. I probably, yeah. Anyway, I really liked it too. Um, just in terms of it being his first movie. And like we said, having that Tarantino esque style, but still being original, it is more grounded. It's not like as over the top or 
I guess flashy would be the word. It's not as yeah. flashy. Um, but yeah, I thought it was really well directed and um, acted as well. Uh, John Malkovich is always good. Yeah, he uh, killed. Vince Vaughn has <laughs> been really good yeah, lately. Great. Yeah, he's only in like half of it, I would say, or right. less than that. But he took it over like, yeah. as soon as he's introduced. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just him is like, he's probably the most over-the-top character. And then Liam Hemsworth plays the you know stoic one, which you would say, oh, that's easier to play. But sometimes it doesn't always come off like the best. Uh, some people can't pull it off. Like, you know, mm-hmm. Ryan Gosling can pull it off. Mm-hmm. In this movie, Liam Hemsworth can pull it off. You know, doesn't always work, but so that's why I think his performance—you can't discredit it just because he's stoic. He still pulls it off really well. Yeah. And then Clark Duke, who is, like I said, primarily known for comedy, it, I, he, it's, he wrote the screenplay along with uh, this um, Andrew Boonkrong, um, and I don't know what they exactly they took from besides the story, but the screenplay itself is has a lot of comedy in it. Yeah. Which so he plays to his strengths without making without taking away from the seriousness of the movie. And that's what also kind of makes it feel Tarantino esque is because Tarantino's movies have a ton of comedy in them, right? Like right. they're really funny. Yeah. And this was I laughed more in this oh, than most comedies that I've seen. Probably the funniest this <laughs> might have been the funniest movie I've seen this year, honestly. It's up there, yeah. definitely. Second of Palm Springs, but yeah. Oh yeah, Palm Springs. <laughs> yeah, I've heard Yeah, that was great. That was better. Yeah. But definitely in the top couple but no yeah in terms of it not even being a comedy like there's just tons of great stuff so i really like that too and yeah the writing that goes hand in hand with the writing i thought the writing was really strong and it's funny because i have the exact same criticism i literally think it just gets fumbled in the end Mm -hmm. literally probably the only two negative things i have to say is the ending was fumbled and i think they build up uh they build up some relationships really good i think um swin and uh the girl was mm-hmm. built up pretty good, yep. but Swin and Kyle, like I wish I like their interactions, but I don't think they were built up because they go through a lot together. I don't feel like the payoff at the end was as impactful. Yeah. Because of that. Me either. Yeah. I felt, there's something it felt that, kind of empty, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. I thought the same thing. Cause I'm like, these guys have been together for a long time. Right. At I this like point. what happens in the end. Yeah. You know, I'm sure that's how it goes in the book, but I like how that happens. I just wish I would have felt more from that. Yeah, like I didn't feel like, oh, you know, they were close or something. You know, it just felt, yeah, yeah, kind of weak ending. Yeah, but yeah, for the most part, it was it was super fun to watch, like really entertaining. Yeah, I was drawn in the whole time. Like I never got bored or no. checked the runtime or anything like that. No. It flew by. Yeah. I thought the pacing was pretty good. It was pretty good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think the uh, the angle too which obviously it's adapted from a book, but that it, that choice to show the drug world in the rural South was really interesting. The Dixie Mafia. Yeah, because you never see, like, how many movies do you see that, you know, show that? It's just it's just unique, and it's, it's a breath of fresh air. It really was, though. Like, yeah, I enjoyed the setting and everything, and it, it was, I liked, I really did like Vince Vaughn, you know, mm. and... I'm not a huge fan of him. <laughs> it's kind of like all these like old comedic like actors like M. Sandler, Vince Vaughn, and them. I didn't like in mm-hmm. their comedies and stuff, <laughs> but they're really good now. You know? Yeah. Like, yeah. I think he's all. I think he. I've always kind of liked him. I because he never went kind of the route of like totally dumb comedies. I think his comedy was always a little bit more elevated and 
like his serious. performances, yeah. like in like Wedding Crashers, you know, like he just fits that role in old school, those movies like that. But yeah, uh, what did he do? Brawl in Cell Block 99, which was pretty good. This movie, where's another serious movie did? Anyway, um, yeah, he's he was really good. And what did you think about the how it was constructed? So that was the other thing I forgot, completely forgot. That was completely not Tarantino ripoff, but Tarantino-esque, the chapters. It's yeah. It's broken up into chapters. <laughs> so, I mean, I liked it, like, especially, like... It, I felt like it came together pretty well and you got it really helped you care more about like the specific characters like Frog, you know, and stuff. You got to see kind of his build up to where he was. And I actually that's something I'm <laughs> a little sidetrack off of that is I like the difference in when he like double crossed his boss or whatever. Right. And then he tried to step away from that and he just let people, you know. I don't. I guess that's totally spoiling any something, but yeah. Anyway, yeah. I <laughs> I like the chapters. Yeah, I thought it was pretty good going like back and forth. And I thought it was done pretty well. It could have been yeah really messed up and fell well, like, off. But if they started, think about if they started kind of from the beginning. Like if they just went chronologically, it would be a total mess, and then it would be really boring towards the end because you see these things happen. Like yeah, they put them in a specific order because something like each chapter kind of has like a buildup and small payoff within mm-hmm. the chapter. And if you get to the end where they're just like hanging out at this house, that's all I'll say. It would be like pretty boring to see that just day to day life. Like things happen, but you know, it would get like monotonous, but yeah, yeah I really liked the structure. Yeah. Each, it was like episodic almost, right? Yeah. yeah they all had their climax. They right. all had their And then you see like tight bow. At yeah. The once end. you get towards the end, then you see like, even you see the same scenes from different angles then, and it yeah comes together pretty well. Yeah. It's literally just the ending that I think was fumbled. And yeah, I don't, we don't even need to spoil it besides just saying that really. Yeah, <laughs> it really was, but still a really good movie. I yeah. mean, that's an easy recommendation, I think. I think most people would enjoy this movie. Yeah, for sure. Especially with like, the names attached uh, itself, you know? If you like crime movies, thrillers, uh, Tarantino movies, you know. So pretty much everybody <laughs> yeah. would enjoy watching this movie. Yeah, definitely and I, an easy recommendation. I mean, I'm excited to see what he does after this. If he's going to, if this is like his thing now, if he wants to do this style, or maybe he like branches off into a completely different style. Yeah. It's will be interesting to see where he goes. Yeah, for sure. I'm like never even expected to see something from him or I never expected to put him on my radar. But now I'm anticipating his next movie and I would be excited for his next movie. So, yeah, I hope it does well. Yeah, especially since it's released this year. First movie. I think there's enough big names in it. Yeah, but it's just the problem is I don't feel like a lot of people if you were to take. Uh, Netflix, Hulu, and Prime, and they all put out an original movie or two original movies, let's say. So you have six movies. The top trending ones will always Netflix. be Netflix. Yep. Yeah. And these always are the worst. I know. <laughs> Honestly, it's like, I mean, Netflix is ubiquitous at this point. Everybody has Netflix or yeah. is using somebody's password for Netflix. Like, yeah. It's still getting views. Like, like, I, I can't name a single person who doesn't have access to Netflix. Yeah. It's almost Versus like Prime. <laughs> the only Wi-Fi. people I know who Everybody. have Prime. Is like right here, you know, like, yeah. So, I mean, a lot of people don't even know Prime has. Well, yeah, they have Prime, but for free shipping, it's like, you know, if you have Prime, you have access to all of of Prime. (laughs) Like, honestly, Prime is 
probably the strongest with their originals. Oh, they're yeah. if it's an Amazon Studios movie. It, yeah, it, I would. I'm always more interested to see that than a Netflix original movie. Now, this is not Amazon Studios. We should say it was purchased by Amazon, but it's still on their platform exclusively. They still chose it too, right? Yes. Like they, exactly. Netflix yeah, they still purchased. Chooses yeah, chose a to bunch be. of shit. Right. <laughs> like Netflix is like, we have so much money. We <laughs> buy everything, and then something's gonna stick. Yeah, right? exactly. <laughs> Throw enough shit against the wall, something. Versus will stick. Prime is like, uh, like curate. Like I want right. this. This is gonna be good, unless it's Violet. <laughs> which is also on Prime. Which they also probably didn't pay anything <laughs> so for. They, yeah. they probably paid them Prime to be on that <laughs> yeah, platform. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, um, I think that's it. That's all I really have. Yeah. Kind of shorter, but it's, I mean, there's not, uh, there's not much negative to say, and that's usually what generates the most discussions when you have bad things to say, so. Yeah, I know. It's, um, I mean... It's easy to watch. Yeah, right? for sure. I think it could even. Mm, I don't know when I would rewatch it, but I would. I could I'm between it. two in my, but the one that I'm between is higher. But yeah, I'm settling on a three and a half out of five. Yep, same. Yeah, <laughs> and it's like a heavy three and a half, like a three point oh, seven five. I gave it all like yep. <laughs> yeah, it was a heavy. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's really good, easy to watch. All right, let's talk about what else we watched. You want to start? Yeah. So. I? I'll start. So I watched this movie called Spree, and I saw this on Letterboxd. Yeah, I mean, I see a lot of people watching it. So I, I literally just like, yeah, it was on Letterboxd. It was like the popular this week. So I'm like, and it had the guy from Stranger Things. Yep. So I'm like, eh, why I not? He looked familiar, but I've yeah. never seen it. But yeah, <laughs> it was like an hour and a half, not too long, and low budget looking. I'm like, why not? And actually, the picture made it look prettier than it actually was. Yeah, Not I that saw pretty. that, and then I saw like a <laughs> like a short video clip of it. And I was like, "Oh, it doesn't." I thought it was gonna look more like just like over the top. It looked neon like drive, lit, like style. yeah, drive yeah. style. But then you look at it, like, oh no, it's not. Yeah, like that. no, not at all. And this movie's hard, like to rate. Let me start. So, synopsis: Kurt Kunkel, a rideshare driver thirsty for followers, has figured out a deadly plan to go viral. As his disturbing live stream is absurdly embraced by this social media hellscape, a comedian emerges as the only hope to stop this rampage. Comedian, they use the French for woman comedian. I don't know. I didn't know that was oh. a thing you did. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, this movie is chaotic, like one mm. word. Mm. And it's really hard. I was like kind of fighting with how I felt about it. Its pacing is kind of all over the place, but. And it's definitely leans heavy into like B movie territory, which is good. I think it has to be. So it's what made it so difficult is I don't know if all this was intentionally all the time or if it just ended up being that way. Mm -hmm. And which isn't a bad thing because it starts off pretty well. This is a movie that will not age well. It's very much made to be watched now. Yeah, so I was it, say. In 20 years, is anybody going to no watch one, it anyway? No one will <laughs> watch this movie right. in five years. It's kind of <laughs> like, like hosts. Like, nobody's going to watch that in five years. It's meant to be watched right now. Yeah. <laughs> and it literally starts with a Draw My Life. And I like that starting. You know, I don't know if you've seen, like, those on YouTube. No. So a Draw My Life, for those who don't know, is, like, YouTubers will literally, they'll draw on, like, a whiteboard, like, I was born and this and, like, and that's I've how it started out. <laughs> so it was kind of like an interesting way to do a background because 
it's relevant for the story because it's all about social media. Yeah, so it's like a viral thing, so it starts that way. Exactly, yeah. and it it felt feels like a real draw my life, and it's it's pretty, yeah, funny and well done. So Kurt, or I think his name is like Kurt World Six Nine or something like that. Sixty nine. Yeah. Nice. And he's a uh, so he's a rideshare driver, and basically his entire life is all about trying to make it big. So he's done like YouTube. He does like TikTok type things. Yeah, they all have like different names. You know, YouTube didn't though, which was interesting. Hmm. It looked like YouTube. Maybe they didn't specifically say it though. But like he's a spree driver. You know, <laughs> there's no right. Yeah. And Uber it just Lyft. starts out seeming pretty regular. Like it's just this guy trying to make it big as an influencer type thing. He's over the top and he's too much into it. But it feels pretty real, you know. And what he does finally to try and get like more views and stuff is he sets up cameras in his Uber, basically. <laughs> and they're like 360 angles, basically. And he's trying to find content. So like he tries to start things, but then it like slowly, slowly gets like dark, <laughs> like really dark because I feel like they're trying to say something that if you're like constantly trying to find this audience that it can lead people like this to a dark path because as soon as they start doing these things, it gets some views so it's like that little dopamine rush so they do more and more and then it spirals out of control obviously most people wouldn't do this but well look at uh logan paul that's true yeah i mean right and exactly i mean what there happens. was that one guy who i forgot his name i mean i don't like to say their names anyway because they do it to get famous it, yeah right <laughs> but there was that guy not too long ago he's like that younger guy and like posting all these videos and end up like killing people and stuff oh really yeah Basically, wow. was this so like it, it's pretty well done. It's funny. There's it's over the top. Like he's he babysat this one kid who became famous on like like Periscope. I don't know what you would say. It's like a live streaming service, mm-hmm. and yeah. So it's also filmed a lot in like kind of a host type thing where it's like the screen. And yeah, you're looking at the camera that yep. he's filming with. Exactly. Seeing it through Pretty that. much the whole, is it the whole time? It might be the, yeah, it might actually, all the angles are from this, but it works better than the host because, I mean, he has 360 angles in his car. He is on his phone the whole time, and a lot of times it will show, like, a live stream of his phone, and you can even see, like, the people commenting and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And, like, going into, I guess, spoilers with it, he basically like drugs people and then murders them <laughs> and then he's not getting views still mm. and he eventually goes to that famous kid's house murders him and steals his stream and so now he has like a bunch of people watching and he just woof goes devolves further and further and it all takes place within pretty much one day and the comedian it's talking about is one of the rideshare people he's driving around and she gets out and she's has a big inst like Instagram. She has a big following. Yeah. So he kind of becomes obsessed with her as well. And it just, I mean, he murders like tons of people in this movie and he gets more and more views. So it just keeps getting darker and darker and darker and darker. And yeah, but there, it doesn't excuse the fact that it has a lot of problems too. The acting is pretty 
horrible. Yeah. For, Is there anybody besides the kid that's known? I mean, he's pretty much the main character. She's in it quite a bit, and she does well. The I, I don't know what her name is. Nobody's big but in this movie. Yeah, at I'd all. say nobody's big. Yeah, or, the comedian. Um, her name in the movie I think is like Jesse Adams, Sashir Zamata. Hmm. Yeah, she does well. She felt pretty real, but everyone else seemed bad, but overtly, like it was on purpose almost. But it doesn't. I mean, it's still bad. Yeah. I don't know if it was on purpose or just bad writing or bad So is the, is the commentary on the fact of how he tries to get famous or is it the fact that he is trying to get famous? Because if you look at like how saturated the market is now or internet is now with not it just, I mean, every platform, Instagram, like everybody wants to be an influencer, YouTube, everybody wants to be a YouTuber, right? Uh, Twitch or Facebook gaming, everybody wants to be a streamer, you know? They all want to get this fame from doing from just, you know, a following. That's what like I think it's kind of both. So it's kind of showing you that it's you. There's luck involved, right? I mean, he's doing all of these things. He's like doing music. He's doing like YouTube. He's doing Instagram. He's doing all these different things, but he can't make it. He just can't make it, which drives him to have to do something different to get noticed, mm. right? It's there's not like the and that's what kind of pushes him into this dark path and then it even ends with like 4chan. I don't know oh, if you've okay. ever yeah yeah lurked on 4chan, <laughs> but like they love him and stuff. And I thought that was like one of the best parts because I'm like this is so 4chan like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like it felt like 4chan. They're like pushing him. They're like our hero because he like murdered people and stuff. Yeah, but that's funny. Also, I think it's the commentary because it's driving him to do these crazy things just to get noticed. So it's like a little of both and it's heavy handed, but right. Right. But I mean, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed watching it. I, I think I could recommend this movie, but uh, it's, there's just so many technical problems with it and bad acting. Bad Here's a real writing, question. Bad. Cause I think I looked this up after you watched it. Yeah. Is it free to watch? No. Okay. I don't so think that it would is, go yeah. in that would factor into my recommendation. Like if this was free on Netflix or something like that, then you'd be like, okay, if you have nothing else to watch, you can watch it. But now you're saying, would you recommend people pay for it? It's hard, right? Because <laughs> I feel like What's a lot of people would I feel would like Would you most pay ten dollars to rent it? No. Would you pay seven dollars to rent it? Don't pay more than three dollars. Okay, three dollars. Yeah, Here's if you can get this for three dollars or less, okay. I could recommend watching it. And that's there you go. <laughs> but any more than that. No, it's not worth it. Though it's, I guess it's getting pretty good reviews other than me, what I thought, but hmm. maybe they felt more that it was really in that B-movie territory. Yeah, if you watch it like as a B-movie, yeah. then you can forgive more things, so. I mean, people love The Room, right? So yeah. <laughs> it's not that bad. Yeah. <laughs> I love The Room. <laughs> I love The Room, too, but. Now, that's a movie that wasn't trying to be funny exactly. at all. It was trying so hard. <laughs> it came, just came across. Yeah. That's, yeah. <laughs> That's an enigma. But right if you take that as like a, from a technical aspect, everything is terrible in that movie. But that's what makes it funny. For sure. Where this one, I felt like it was trying to be terrible. And it was kind of, but right. still enjoyable to watch. It right, maybe I'll check me. it out. Yeah. If it's a 99 cent rental eventually. Yeah. I'll if it, it is, then yeah, I, I could. Re- it's fast, you know. It, the pacing has some problems, especially near the end. But that chaotic energy just like 
Like, I mean, the yeah, only and... well done is the main character and then the comedian. Everyone, all the side characters are terrible. Yeah. But he seems bad, but it was definitely on purpose. He just feels chaotic. Like, and that's good. I mean, <laughs> that's what it was going for. So, what'd you give it? I gave it a 2.5. All right, right down the middle. So, yeah, that's hard to. <laughs> You know, when you're talking about recommendations. Yeah, I mean, like it's averaging right at like, like oh. a 3.5 on. Yeah, but there's like fives that like I would recommend and there's fives that you wouldn't recommend. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay, I'll go next. Um, I have been trying to fill some blind spots because there's obviously so many movies that I haven't seen. My watch list has about 1,200 titles on it. <laughs> uh, but anyway, a huge blind spot has been Akira Kurosawa. Uh, so I watched Rashomon, one of his... Most famous. I saw movies. you watch that. Yeah, yeah, I was gonna watch. I want to watch that and Seven Samurai. Yeah, I really want to see yeah. Seven Samurai still. Um, but yeah, I'm trying to watch like at least one pre 1970s movie like every two weeks or something like that, just to try to fill those out. Like, there's a ton of Hitchcock movies I still want to see. I mean, a ton of a ton of all every you know um, Ingmar Bergman, uh, Akira Kurosawa. So trying to fill out those blind spots and start preparing now for the top 100 when we hit episode 100. It seems like a long time away, but there's so many movies to see that I'm going to have to start now to get mm-hmm. that in. So, yeah, Rashomon is a story about uh, it's kind of like one of the earliest examples that I know of of having one story and seeing um, different points of view or people tell the same story, but it's told from their point of view or how they remember it. So it's always different every time you see it. So you see the same story play out, which is a man and wife are going through the forest and there's a bandit on the loose and he basically, well, the husband dies. You don't know how the husband dies and the woman, he tries to, (laughs) the story has different things, but basically he like rapes and kills the husband is like one of the main first stories. Wow. That's pretty like, yeah. (laughs) But anyway, it's told so it's super interesting because you hear it from these different points of view in in a court and the but the court you never see the actual like judge or whatever the people the uh, characters are always talking just dr- looking like basically almost right at the camera or sli- slightly above the camera, meaning like the the judge would be higher up but they're always talking to you and you're always so they're basically talking to the audience and saying that this is the story and there's no definitive answer. So it's all left up to you. Oh, that's it. So it's almost like you're the jury, right? You are the person that, you know, what do you take away from it and what do you believe? And does it matter even to kind of at the end, it poses that question, but yeah, poses a ton of interesting questions, a lot more like psychologically engaging than you would think for, I mean, not something. When did this movie come out? Um, I think it was, I'm gonna guess 57, and if I'm way off, then don't call me an idiot in the comments. <laughs> Rashomon, 1950. Okay. So yeah, but uh, it's it's all in um, black and white, and the cinematography is the one thing that I have to mention because it is like one of the most amazingly shot movies. Not in terms of just like the visuals; like it does look very nice, but the camera movement is like some of the best I've seen for this old, especially like just so dynamic and how it moves through it. So it's all shot in this forest too, which is really interesting. Um, they do a lot of things with shadows and like the sunlight coming through the trees that it just all goes perfectly with the story. And 
I don't want to sound like a genius because I'm not, but some of this, you know, you have to kind of like look up afterwards. And it's, it's just like her. I want to rewatch it again, knowing all of these things to really fully appreciate them because like I can see it and I can appreciate it for what it is. But there's a lot of subtext, too, that goes into just the shots that I didn't pick up on right away that now that I know I would go in and be like, you know, wow, that really is amazing. But the camera movement right away caught my eye. The only thing that I had a problem with that I don't think I would on the second watch also was like the acting. Mm. So they are all Japanese. And the, what I heard or what I read was that there's like a cultural divide. So what seems over the top, like to us is not, it's not over the top to them. And it's, it's true. Cause you think about something like, like anime or just like, you know, oh, yeah. things like right, that, yeah. how it's written and how like over the top that is. They even use some of that, like in, you know, these real movies that, or however you would say that physically acted movies, um, specifically with the woman, if you watch it, then you'll know what I'm talking about. But it only happens to from when it's told from certain perspectives. So like one person would see her acting hysterical, mm. but like when she tells it from her point of view, she's not acting that way. So, okay. So it was probably like intentional, right? It's intentional and it's, and it's not as over the top as you think because it's just, just that cultural divide. So yeah, there's some intention. There is intention behind it. Yeah. It's not like a mistake or like a flub or just like bad acting. It's meant to be that way. And it's, it, you know, it comes off kind of like, comes off kind of like caricature ish or like, but, if it's not something that can be completely subtle because, because it's not yeah. real, it's not reality. Yeah. And plus these are like people's memories. So they remember exactly. it differently. Right? Yeah. It's kind of like trying to remember, I don't know, like having a memory, you remember like the most vivid things or that's what sticks out. Right. Yeah. You yeah. wouldn't. So that's what it's portraying. So you have to go with that, you know, have that in mind also. But yeah, the, there's like a, the way it's framed too is basically a story of they, um, they go, these men arrive at uh, a gate to a city. It's all broken down and stuff too. And this is set like in the feudal era, but the movie was made in 1950. So it says a lot of interesting things too about um, post-World War II Japan. Mm. Because basically the story is saying that like the point of views are like uh, there's a um, a priest, just like a normal woodcutter, and then the people involved, the bandit and stuff. And the story is like, this awful act or what some people are saying is this awful act. You know, the priest is saying like, I have no left or no hope left in humanity and just kind of poses questions like that. Like, can we trust anybody? Uh, you know, what has humanity become? And then at the end it, there's, I won't say it, but at the end it, uh, kind of, I think Kurosawa is saying that there is hope for humanity like he kind of ends it on a higher note because it would be a very depressing movie if he didn't <laughs> kind of add that in yeah but yeah super interesting i mean um, i've always been interested in his movies i don't know why i haven't watched them yet like yeah <laughs> you kind of just have to dive in because like it's very uh, intimidating might be the wrong word but you know what i'm saying like to just go into a movie that or a, a, a time period that you're totally unfamiliar with mm -hmm. and trying to do that, but there's no other way to do it or to learn and watch these amazing movies. Like you would, people would watch it and think like there's a ton of mistakes or whatever, but you also have to realize what were they, what were they making it with mm -hmm. like this yeah. is like so close to 
perfect for me. I think even rewatching it, I could bump it up to a five. So I gave it a four and a half. And then I had to watch so many things on it because there's just, you know, that's how I learn is I watch these things and I can see it for myself that this is really good, but I sometimes can't always articulate why until I see it or hear right. it from, you know, an actual uh, film scholar or whatever. You know, there's one guy that literally was a, a film professor that broke it down kind of. But yeah, so just learning that way and be, and then it helps you be able to talk more about other movies and things like that. But this movie in particular, like you would look at it and say, you know, comparatively, it doesn't look like, you know, Blade Runner or something like that. But it's uh-huh. still like what I'm saying is the cinematography is still for what they had was so good. The camera movements, um, yeah. how <laughs> different shots are framed to like, yeah, it's. Can you imagine how they had to do that then? Like. Uh, those, I can't. those giant cameras they probably had to lug around like with actual film and like <laughs> yeah it's, it's pretty super impressive. impressive yeah and that's what a uh, kind of a problem I always problem in like a good thing I have with old movies because some of them like you like I watch Nosferatu right like yeah. it, how do you judge that basically like what did they have and what they did with what they had or do I compare it to something from today? Because I mean, they're film to film, right? Right. It's always hard for me to rate and like judge older movies because I've seen so many modern movies now, you know? Yeah. And that's, you know, like I said, that's part of that's that is hard to do. And then but there's just like so many small things too that not just how it was shot, but like it's like the writing, like, um, what leads to this whole conflict, he says, like, from the bandit, he's he's narrating. He says, if it hadn't been for that cool breeze. So he's, like, taking a nap in the forest, and this the husband and wife are just walking by, and he goes back to sleep because he didn't see the woman. So they're walking by, he, he's asleep, and then a cool breeze uh, blows blows over him, and it causes him to, like, lift his eyelids. And then he sees her, and then he's he's, like, overcome with her beauty, and he has to have her. So like just something like that, he says, if it hadn't been for that cool breeze, which hmm. kind of leads into the whole story, you're saying How like, subtle. yeah, <laughs> just like small things like that, you know, like the writing, like you don't see things like that or like you don't even see that in modern movies. That's what I'm saying. Um, the technical aspects are very different, but in terms of just a story and structure and plot and acting and characters and stuff like that, you look at something like this and see how good it was and how good Kurosawa is like yeah and now he as a director, he didn't have a bad movie right like all of his movies were well I don't know his whole filmography I know he's done a lot yeah um, but he has some of like the most highly regarded movies of that time yeah and I mean I think from what I know I think Rashomon is supposed to be or well some people put it as like the best, the best movie yeah then seven samurai are the ones you always hear about yeah right, right. yeah I also kind of love like older movies like that just for the fact that you kind of the great thing about film, right, is you get a snapshot, right, mm-hmm. of that time period. You get like what they were thinking about, what they were feeling, and it really takes some skill to like like fit that. I mean, you could do something like Spree, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, that's a snapshot of this period, but it doesn't, it won't work, you know, years from now. And now this movie is 70 years old, yeah. right? Yep, exactly and, 70. And it still feels good. It's like trying to explain that little bit, that shift, right? Yeah. That, that skill, that's the director 
You we're literally watching this movie 70 years from now and it's still good. Yeah. I that mean movies skill. about like humanity and stuff like that and posing questions about humanity, they'll almost always be relevant like 2020, you know, like we can have this bleak nihilistic outlook on the world now and someone will say, you know, hold out hope. Like it's mm-hmm. kind of almost the same like just in that in that in term in those terms. Um but yeah, it was super interesting because you know exactly when it was made, 1950, you know, post-World War II and coming out with this story that's told in feudal Japan, but it's like basically the meaning of it is is relevant to his time when he made it, but it's still relevant today, seven years later. So yeah, definitely check it out. I watched it on Canopy, so you should be able to see it if you want to. I'm definitely going to watch it. I yeah. almost watched it this week, but I'm like, I need to get my 2020 movies up. Yeah. <laughs> that was probably the longest thing I had to talk about, so because it was so good. <laughs> Yeah, definitely want to rewatch it too. I think it could go up. I settled on four and a half and it's, yeah, it's just not, it's something that again is so subtle and, and subtext and everything that just like her, I think if I rewatched it with all of those things in mind, it would definitely go up. So yeah, excited to rewatch it. Right. I mean, that's why we do this, right? It's yeah. like to give context for things because there's a lot of things that like you can't enjoy until you if you don't understand it. Right. And right. that's not like a fault of the person watching it right? yeah. all the time. Right. You, if you're not open, you're closed or, you know, then yeah, that's your fault. Yeah. But if you don't watch it cause it's like, Oh, I'm not gonna watch that cause it's old or it's yeah. in black and white. Then yeah. yeah I mean, come on foreign yeah. or, you or, know, like, exactly. Then that's, yeah, that's your fault. But if you're open and you just don't enjoy it, but then you can hear about it like from us or from some other people, all these little things and that can make you enjoy it. I mean, I can't even count them how many times that I explained the lighthouse and now people yeah. love that movie. Like, yeah. Even like though, just the one thing, yeah. or while well, I was talking about the cinematography, but the one thing I didn't say, like one of the just cool metaphors that they use of shots is like the light from the sun. Like I said, it's in a forest and you see it through like branches and stuff, and it's but it's always white as well. Yeah. Right? But yeah. it's always distorted. It's saying like the truth is always, distorted like you can never see the full truth and that's what the story is is three different or four different point of views of the same story and you never know what the truth is wow and he just uses a lot of shots like that and i was like (laughs) that's like crazy i didn't even think about that like the sunlight and yeah can you imagine yeah like (laughs) making a movie in like 70 years like doing anything and it's relevant that long later that's crazy crazy. yeah that's a great director right there yeah (laughs) All right, so what do you have next? Um, going from Kurosawa, one of the greatest directors of all time, to let's. Uh, I watched a movie called Work It. <laughs> oh yeah, I saw this. <laughs> so Work It. What uh, even interested me in this movie was? I was gonna say I was literally gonna say why because I saw it and I was like, <laughs> why did he watch this? So let's let's put this out there, <laughs> like. Guilty pleasure. I love the step, uh, step, step up. up movies, like guilty pleasure movies. Like I know they're not great, but mm. I I just <laughs> love them. I guess like I'm a fan of dance, you know. Yeah, you like so what you like. So when it like choreography is done well, it's and it is d- done well, and not like the later step up movies, but you know the right. two, one and two, and so I saw work it. I'm like, yeah, let's let's check it out. It's about dance. It's on Netflix. Why not? Yeah, it's not step up, <laughs> like not even in the 
Uh, I don't even, it actually doesn't have that bad of like rating. So let me start out here. So this was directed by uh, Laura Teruso. Ter- Teruso. Dang, we ended the spree of good female directed <laughs> movies. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, Assistant was female. Oh, true. But I mean, the, sp- the spree. Yeah, we I were know. on this like was a not, long string of really good ones. This is, yeah, this is not it. <laughs> so it, it's. Let's see. I'll just read the synopsis here for you. A brilliant but clumsy high school senior vows to get into her late father's alma mater by transforming herself and a misfit squad into dance champions. Oh, God. The most generic thing, right? Yeah. And that can still work. Like, if you can do that well. I mean, there's nothing wrong with having a generic movie that people watch, you know, and just can enjoy, throw it on, right? But this wasn't it, you know? It was generic in the fact that it literally did nothing different like it did not do a single thing different yeah like nothing was special about this movie at all the acting wasn't great the writing was terrible the framing was terrible cinematography i'm like so this is a dance movie right Right. like they had this dance battle with uh uh what's her name liza koshi lisa koshi liza I'm, people are going to hate me for this. She's a really popular YouTuber. She was. I don't oh. even know if she makes videos now. Um, she's in this movie. And, like, one part, mm. she and this other guy have a dance battle. And, like, the whole dance battle, they pretty much only show their upper half. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> this is dance. Like, that was the yeah, thing, like, should Step be Up like had going for Kinetic it. movements and, like, yeah, like looking Step at the Step Up, I think, like, the rain scene. Like, it, there's water on the ground. They're kicking it up. It's showing all this dynamic movement and everything. That's what made it good. You're hiding the dancing. And like the dancers in this, the choreography. Oh, I recognize her. Yeah. Yeah. Like the choreography for the most part, horrible. Like it doesn't fit the music. Like it doesn't tell a story. It doesn't. There's a couple of parts that were okay. Mm. But most of the choreography was awful, especially like the first half of the movie until this one guy comes into it. I, I think his name is actually like. Jake, <laughs> I should know since that's my name. Uh, what was it? Jake Taylor, yeah. It got a little bit better after he was introduced, but like before that, horrible choreography. Maybe it was intentional, but why would you put horrible choreography? Well, yeah, as I say, it's a dance movie. Why would the choreography be intentionally horrible unless well, the movie just, was like a spoof, a comedy or a dance movie spoof? Well, well. It could have been like to show you that the people that like were the bad guys in the beginning, they actually weren't that good. And then you introduce this character and he has he's a good choreographer. So, oh yeah, it sure. was just so like, yeah, but like on a whole, that was even bad. And it's a dance movie. Like it felt like it was trying to be almost like a pitch perfect. Yeah, I was going to say, it sounds like, you know, ragtag group coming together, got to go against yeah. circumstances or whatever. And But why <laughs> does why does pitch perfect work because you you get i like you can you get a little bit of a peek into each character you grow attached to the characters all the rest in the dance crew you know nothing about like i i don't even remember a single thing about them you don't even like see their personality it's basically like they wanted to make like a pitch perfect that's about this teamwork that leads you into like working together and all this and a romantic comedy at the same time. And it only focuses on like the romantic comedy and it should have focused on the dancing. Yeah. It's called work it, you know, like it, it fails at both of those things. Mm-hmm. Like 
Yeah, it, I don't even remember what I. <laughs> this was one of the twos. Oh yeah, that's right. So <laughs> I ended like up giving this yeah a two out of five, which the only reason I even gave it that high is because I mean there's certain parts like I said the choreography got better later, and there's like it just certain parts that can like bring it up, but on the most part it's just. You're not watching a, the whole thing, thinking the whole thing is no, crap. No, it's, it's like it's, parts of it are. It's a mess, yeah. yeah. And it could have been better, right? It could have like leaned into that like cheesy or like well done career something, but it just decided to try to put its hand at like everything, and it just mishandled its average at everything. Yeah. So yeah, yeah I can't recommend it, but it's on Netflix for free. <laughs> so if you want, it's just. Play it in the background, not pay attention at all. Sure, that's that's it. All right. Um, I rewatched The One I Love, which is a movie from 2017. Let me fact check that. No, 2014. Holy crap. So it's been a long time since I've seen this because I think it, this was one of the first movies that I remember kind of going straight to streaming, I feel like. Oh, really? Well, I don't know. I watched it streaming. I don't remember it going into theaters or anything. But anyway, that's, yeah, it was just like around that time when I remember like movies going straight to streaming or having original, you know, streaming platforms putting out original movies, which this isn't an original movie. I think it was purchased. But anyway, point is, uh, this was from 2014. So it's been a long time since I've seen it. It stars Mark Duplass and Elizabeth Moss, directed by Charlie McDowell. Um, that name sounds familiar. I'm trying to remember what else he did. Oh, he did the Discovery on Netflix, and he directed a couple of Silicon Valleys, which I kind of like the Discovery, I, but some I, people hate the Discovery. <laughs> I like Silicon Valley. Um, yeah, but this is like a romantic comedy with like a sci-fi twist to it, um, and I remember really liking it, and then kind of like looking up what the like. It doesn't really fully explain what the twist is. It's very like it's not heavy-handed. It doesn't over-explain things, um, but I remember really liking that, and then. Actually, on this part, on this rewatch, maybe it's just because I've seen more movies now, I really like the questions that it poses about relationships and marriage and everything that they kind of go through rather than the twist. I think the ending is kind of like the my least favorite part now, but I still really, really love the movie. I think it's really funny. Both the performances are great, and they have to, they have to subtly change. Have you seen this movie? No. Okay. Well... The basic concept is that they find like doubles of themselves, but they're very slightly different. So they have to give performances and then they have to give mm. another performance that's slightly, okay. they're supposed to be them, but slightly different. So it works really well in that way. Um, but yeah, it's a great, it's on Netflix also. I think I first watched it on, it used to be on Hulu and then it went to Netflix. So it's still been available like this whole time. But yeah, it's, it's a really easy watch like really fast paced and just flies by. It's only an hour and a half and I didn't change my score at all from what I gave it when I first watched it. I thought it would go up cause I remember really liking it, but I think it's perfect at where it's at, which was a four. Yeah. I think just the ending is I th the most interesting part is their relationship and the questions that they pose and stuff like that and how you find out information, stuff like that's really well done. All the writing is really strong yeah, it just feels more of like an indie, not small budget. It doesn't feel small budget. It just feels like a smaller scale movie, but like a really well done small scale movie. I kind of like movies like that, like the sci-fi mixed in with the romantic. Have you ever seen Timer? 
timer? Yeah. Or you th- do you mean primer? No, timer. Timer. I've, I've never seen timer. timer. Yeah. <laughs> and that movie was basically like they're they have like this time on mm-hmm. their watch. It's been forever. I think <laughs> this I'm remembering right. It was basically like it counts down and when it hits zero, you meet the person you're supposed to be with forever. Oh, yeah. And I remember liking that pretty well, too. I mean, that was forever ago when I saw it. It is called Timer. Look at that. It's from 2009. Hmm, Oh, I'm going to add it to the watch list. Yeah. And it it, (laughs) now it's probably not as well done. It's been forever since I've seen it. It's probably not as well done as what you're talking about. But I love that kind of little twist, like just adding in elements of like one genre and mixing it in with the other. Yeah. When it's done well, it it works. Yeah. And I don't think the twist or the sci-fi element in this is not, it's not meant to be the most important aspect. It's only introduced to be able to pose these questions. Otherwise, mm-hmm. how would you be able to create a movie like this with this story? Like once you see, I mean, once you know the characters, if you ever watch this or, and once you know uh, what they're, they're literally on a retreat to try to like repair their marriage because they're going through marriage counseling. So mm-hmm. And then when they meet these other versions of themselves that are slightly different and there's just like a lot of things that, you know, they get into that like it's about, you know, relationships really. But the sci-fi element has to be there to get to these interesting questions, which is the most important part, which obviously you can do both things well. And I think one of them is done a lot better, but it's still really good and enjoyable. I need to add this. Yeah, it sounds really interesting. I saw yeah. your score and I'm like, yeah, I'll probably like this. Movie. Yeah, it's super fast. Like I said, hour and a half and it flies by. Like you can watch this easily. Like, uh, you know, it's not a tough watch. So do you have anything else? I mean, I watched Killing Gunther. Don't watch it. Um, <laughs> no, no, like it's a comedy action movie. I saw that. Yeah, like. Now, the, this is more interesting because this is not 2020. So I'm really so, like, why the hell did you watch this? Because this is friend. 2017. Yeah, right? so a friend, a coworker, actually, he like, hey, there's this movie, and I mean, most of the stuff he recommends is never that good, but I like it because like the stuff he recommends is like what I feel like most people would watch, you know. Right. So it's like a good end to see like stuff that like that. This was not a good one <laughs> to watch. So basically, it's like this guy gets a team together. To trying and he's like the second best assassin, basically, like Hitman. Right. And he wants to kill the first best Hitman. So you don't Arnold, know who Arnold the first best is until way later. It's Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah. yeah that's he's like, on the poster. <laughs> I know, but he's literally not in it until the last like what quarter of the movie. He's like very small. So what's small. happening in the first three quarters? He, them <laughs> trying to kill him. So that's it. Like, but he's not there. You said no. But you like see, so like they're trying to find him, but he's the best. So they can't, they just, that sounds really boring. The second best, (laughs) like he gets this team together, like of experts in like certain fields. And it is pretty funny. Like it's funny to watch, but Mm -hmm. like one of the guys is a poison expert. So he just poisons people. So like at one part, Arnold is shooting at them. You don't know it's him yet, but he's shooting at them. And he, the poison expert runs out there and just throws this vial and it goes like 10 feet and crashes in the ground. He's like, and then he runs away. And then like, they basically hire a documentary crew to watch them the whole time. So that's who's filming it. Right. It's like a documentary. They're making a documentary of them hunting down him. And then when they finally found him, he's hired a documentary crew to film him 
messing with these people who are trying to kill him. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And like the <laughs> that part's really funny when you find out it's Arnold and it goes back to all the moments. Like the poison like I was telling about the poison vial. It goes to his perspective at that point of view. He's like, Did he just throw poison at me? <laughs> hmm. But he's like okay. a hundred yards away, like so it didn't even get close to him. And the only like cool part is like at the end, Arnold is like fighting with the the second best guy and the documentary crew got shot. <laughs> so like the cameras like One's on the ground, like one's on a table and like they're fighting. So they accidentally like hit it and it spins and then it faces a different angle uh-huh. and you can still see them. So that's pretty cool, like that they planned, you know, that and it's well done. It feels natural. But other than that, no, it's not another mm. two <laughs> movie. And then I watched The Assistant, which I mean, we're probably going to there's okay. literally nothing you can spoil about this movie. And there's literally it's probably like the best movie. I don't know if I can recommend to watch for most people. Okay. That's generic enough. I have one more thing and then that's probably good because we'll talk about that next week. So, uh, last thing for me is I rewatched widows, the 2018 Steve McQueen movie. And, uh, well I rewatched it cause my sister wanted to watch it and I did want to rewatch it. I didn't, I didn't know if my score would go up or not. I was because here's the thing. I think a lot of people love this movie. Well, I don't know if that's true. I don't know. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Uh, I I still really like it. It's obviously very well done. It's Steve McQueen, but I do have like a major problem with the story. I don't think it completely works. So this is also written by Jillian Flynn, who did Gone Girl or wrote the book for Gone Girl. So she helped write this story. And, you know, it has its twist and everything, which is which is well done. Um, But it's like it's more of like the plot. And there's like a little bit of it's a little convoluted. I don't think that all fully works. Um, And I think the I think all the performances are pretty good, except for there's certain parts with her. uh, The two girls that work under uh, what's her name? Now I'm drawing a blank. The one that's in Widows. I don't know if you... Viola Davis. God damn it. Viola Davis. Okay. The two girls that work under Viola Davis, which is Michelle Rodriguez and Elizabeth Debicki. Now, uh, she was getting a lot of praise at first. And I think she is very good. I don't know. There's just something about it. I never liked Michelle Rodriguez, so that that could be totally biased on my part. <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah, all the performances are pretty are pretty well done. Colin Farrell's in it as well. And uh, it's connection to The Godfather, which we're finally getting around to watching. Robert Duvall's in this, and he is looking old as shit compared to The Godfather. Really? <laughs> Which, obviously, this is like 40 years later, but yeah, he's looking rough in this. Um, but he's supposed to. He's an old man. So, yeah, uh, I like the setting of Chicago, and I like kind of the political side of it. Like like I said, it's a little convoluted, but I wish it was just told a little bit differently because it's it's interesting that they are there are these problems in Chicago, and they're campaigning to solve these problems, but really they don't care. It's just a, a job for them. And like, it's their, it's one guy's heritage, literally. Like he doesn't even want this job, but it's been in his family. This ward has been under his family for so long that it's literally just like a legacy to him. Mm. But like, he actually seems kind of like he wants to help the people. Anyway, yeah, it gets, 
some motivations are confusing. The story, the plot's kind of convoluted. There's one thing that literally makes no sense. Um, but yeah, I mean, it is like the heist aspect and the, how it's shot. You know, it's kind of dark. It looks, uh, I don't, I haven't, actually haven't seen any other McQueen movies, but similar to his other stuff from what I know. And yeah, I just think it's lesser than those, which I still need to watch. So I can't say that with too much confidence, but um, it's good. It's not great. Three, <laughs> three and a half. Have you, you've never seen it? No, I haven't. Okay. I have it. So, so it's can. worth a watch. It's one that, like I said, I think it, nobody's going to say it's bad. Some people say it's amazing. I'm in the good, not great camp. But nobody's going to say, yeah, nobody would say it's a bad movie. So it's you're either going to think it's above average or amazing. Yeah. It's one of those. give it a one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you're saving the assistant for next week. Yeah. Okay. Because I want to go like. And you watched Project Power, which is next week also. Yep. <laughs> so next week is going to be The Assistant for sure, because you've seen that. I'm going to watch that for sure. Maybe She Dies Tomorrow. We might just say we might just do that like as what else we've been watching, because I don't know if we'll do a feature on it anymore, because we for sure are going to do Project Power. It's, it's you know obviously the biggest movie on Netflix, even though it might not be great. So next week would be the three banger. Like I said, we just wanted to get this out because if we didn't, it would be another two weeks without an episode and it would have been a long time. We would have put off, you know, like you said, we watch these pretty early in the week sometimes and you just, it's good to do it when it's fresh in your mind. Yeah, I agree. You can send questions and comments into sudsandcinemapodcast at gmail.com. You can follow us on Instagram at sudsandcinemapodcast. I am on Letterboxd and Untapped at the KG Project. I'm adding both of those as JSAL 517. That's J S A L 517. All right. Thanks for listening. Cheers, guys.
Sugar, the chains are gonna cave. 